join me in prayer this morning. Our Father in heaven, we are so greatly blessed to be in this place. In the sway, the presence of your spirit this morning. Basking in your love, your grace, calling out upon your mercy to save us from our sins and to lead us towards everlasting life. Father, I pray for the things that we lift up on Wednesday nights. That, that list is long. There, there are healings that are, we are searching for. Father, there are our financial needs for people that we are searching for. There is restoration and relationships. Father, there are children that are adult children in, in, that have gone astray and we're praying that you would bring them home as a prodigal. Father, we are praying over our communities, praying that you would move against some of the wickedness that takes place, the evil that the enemy wants to bring in in our heartland, in our Clinton region, Father. We pray for those who suffer from addictions and depressions and all sorts of things from that nature. Father, we, we just lift them up. Father, we pray for those who have lost loved ones. I think of Tim and Leslie. Lord, as Leslie's mother went home to be with the Lord, to be with you after 93 years of walking with you and serving you. What a beautiful tribute that was Friday to Behold, Lord, I pray that I can have that many good things said about me and live to be that old and serve you still. Father, I pray just over this congregation and the congregation that is meeting in the Fenton building. It's, it's an AA meeting, but it's a big one, and God is present. You are present there. And I lift those folks up this morning just as I lift us up. Father, that you would just move in our hearts and our minds. Father, that you would clear the clutter, the busyness as we come into the building. Lord, we would realize that, and we'd be thankful for the fact that we have such beautiful buildings to, to come into, but we would realize the building is not the church. The church is the people in the pews. Father, I thank you for a healthy church. It just, yesterday, it, you just spoke that. Into my spirit. About the unity, about the love, the grace that is present. I think of Paul, Father, as I pray this morning, and I think of how he would boast about his churches. Lord, I'm glad to be able to go to conference or talk to my superintendent or bishop and boast about my churches. All because of you. And your spirit working in us. Father, I just pray for the remainder of this day as we come into this place, as we continue our study in the fruit of the Spirit. Father, we speak about your goodness this morning. I just I pray that we understand your goodness and how to effectively uh, work in that before we leave this building today because it's so important. Father, I pray over our children's ministry. 
when they separate from us and go to, to their church. Father, I pray over everything that takes place that now, Father, you would just remove me from the sight of these people and you would speak. Use me, Lord, is what I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to make you stand up again in a minute when I read the word. But uh, the uh, children are dismissed to junior church as well. I was at Leslie's mother's funeral up at St. John's, and um, it had been a while since I've been in St. John's. I've been to a couple other funerals uh, up there, and um, it's been a while since I've been to a Catholic funeral, and I told Leslie after we were done, I said, uh, I no longer feel bad about making people stand up and sit down <laughs> at all. Because I used to think, oh, I'm going to sit them down. I'm going to make them stand back up. If, if the pew wasn't in front of me, I could have just exercised, but I, never, I would have never got to my toes. But the, uh, it was a beautiful funeral, and she appreciated my humor. But a lot of ups and downs. Today, I'm glad the Spirit's here, although he does make a mess out of me when he comes in. Uh, we will be... Uh, Continuing in our uh, sermon series, and I thank Pastor Michael and Mitchell for covering for me last weekend. My wife and I were up north at the cottage, uh, hanging out, and um, just relaxing, having some fun, going to several garage sales and uh, several restaurants. She goes to the garage sales, and she goes to the restaurants. I feed her while she's up there, but I get to pick the restaurant. But um, we have a great time of rest. We look forward to getting back up on our actual vacation later in the summer, but uh, I just think those guys, I heard a lot of good things about what they had taught you guys, so um, I think I still got a job though, right? I'm okay? All right. I mean, I don't know if, I think people are leaving the cottage right now, so we can just go back up there if you want to get rid of me, but uh, the, um, we are going to be looking in Second uh, Thessalonians, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And before I start, I'm going to read some stuff here. I want to kind of recap a little bit. But I do just want to say that it is a blessing. I know we're missing several people out on travel today, and it looks like we've got some spots. I know where everybody's supposed to be from standing up here when I look out, so I know who's missing and gone camping and stuff in the summer. But it is just a huge blessing. This is my testimony. And I'm going to take a moment for testimony, because I believe that that's a good thing. But... My testimony is uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Superintendent Bishop, you know, when we went to conference, we get, I started my fifth year back here as the lead pastor, and um, uh, it just amazes me how, where, how far we have come and where we are at with two ch- buildings and two congregations and the things that are going on. And it's not just the numbers. Numbers are not a big deal to me. I, they make me do attendance. Well, I don't do attendance. You do attendance, but somebody's got to do attendance and that kind of thing. I wouldn't. I don't really care nothing about that. Attendance that I worry about is when we get to heaven. That that's where we're attending. So, but I do have bosses above me, so we do what they say. Um, but the unity, as I said yesterday, and the compassion for one another, and the camaraderie, and the fact that, as Paul often says, and in, in he he's, we're going to talk about. He, Paul boasted. 
about his churches when they did good. He boasted in spiritual things. And uh, I can do that. I can go and they say, how's it going down there? And I say, it's going great. And what, what's going on? What are you doing? I tell them all the stuff we're doing. You know, we got about 20 small groups stuff going here and 20 or plus going on up there. And uh, I do want us to remember to pray. Uh, we are working. I'm, well, I'm not really Bob and Amy and the leadership up there. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to help them. Uh, but they're uh, working on an Alakine meeting. There's an Alakine meeting in high school. And uh, it's a place for teenagers. And, and we're going to have a teenage meeting in there. So, uh, which is very good because there's a lot of kids going through a lot of stuff in, in school. But as I say, people ask me and I say, you know what, as I think about it, I, I don't have one problem in church. Nobody's giving me a hard time. Nobody, I mean, do you, we do have Buckeye people from Ohio. That kind of, that gets under my skin a little bit during football season, but I love them. But the, uh, the uh, uh, it's just wonderful because not a lot of people can say that when we're at. Uh, um, and I know as of this morning, I was standing here and I felt my phone vibrate. It's over there. And uh, Superintendent uh, said, I'm speaking this morning. Please pray for me. I'm praying for you. So I know he has to sometimes speak. He, 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 it's good to be his friend. He's my boss, but he's also my friend, and, and uh, we pray for one another. And uh, he calls every so often, every couple weeks. Um, you know, a lot of times I think he's been to a church that's not, he's probably having to work with, and uh, he'll say, tell me some good news. Never fails. Always got good things. Always two or three things. I say, well, we're doing this. This is happening. Somebody got saved. People, you know, um, never fails. Always have good news. So don't screw this up. Just as I close this, all right? All right. We're, and that's, I just wanted to say that. I get to talk to pastors. They, do, they know what we're doing in the conference. Everybody knows. I don't really know everything that goes on because we're kind of i got enough going on, don't worry about other stuff, but they do look at us, and we are, um, the things we're doing is kind of a model for a lot of other churches, and I've had people call and say, what's it like changing the name, how's that going, and what things you, that you're doing, and, and I tell them, it's, it's great, it's work, it can be, it takes a while to get everybody on the same page and understand what we're doing, and I, I will tell you this right now, that new sign will not lead anybody to Jesus. It looks good, it'll turn your head. We actually, when I was out there working yesterday, somebody pulled in and wanted, I don't, what's the, the SUV Cadillac, Denali or whatever, the, the ones I can't, I can't afford to drive, huh? Whatever it is, they pull in and they're looking, I'm thinking, man, that was quick, you know, <laughs> but the, uh, I think God's sending me people to pay for the sign driving something like that, the, um, and they took a look, they waved, and they, but it's, it, the, the sign, the, the stuff, the good, it, it's all wonderful because we're showing people that we, we care about what God's given us and we're taking care of it and we're doing what he's asking us to do and that we're involved and we're active. But that stuff doesn't save people. It's when they walk through these doors and they become overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. That's when people ask about how you preach and things like that, I, I say, I don't really know. I just get up, I walk from there to here, and the Holy Spirit takes over. And about, 
that's about a 10-yard shot. So the, uh, that's how I calculate distance, is how far archery shot it would be. But the, about 10 yards, the Holy Spirit's already got one in me, and we're, we're good to go. But that's what saves people. It's not, it, it's not signs, it's not shrubs, it's not any of that stuff that we do. It, it's not decorations. It's the love of God being in His people when they walk through the storm. And it becomes infectious. And we're becoming infectious. In both places, it's infectious. The Spirit of God, there's a different flavor in both places, but the Spirit of God is in both places, and He's doing a work in a lot of people. I can share with you that uh, here, we're back to 100 or over, something like that, on a, a rough average. I tell you right now, that if we want to be two or 300 people, like I said, I don't care about numbers, but if we want to be two or 300 people, we've got to minister to about 600 people. So, because that's just the way it works. Everybody comes and goes. That's today's church. And this is all for free, by the way. This isn't even my sermon yet. But the, uh, we go up to there, and there's about at least 200 people going through the doors of that church every week, continuously. So God has grown these churches. This is one ministry. Benchmark is one ministry. It's not two different ministries. It's two churches apart, seven miles apart with the same God in them. And uh, before I get too far gone, I'm going to preach a little now. That is what it's about. This it kind of leads into the sermon. Today we continue to examine uh, these attributes called the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians, and if you want to turn to Second Thessalonians, I believe we have it on the screen. I think I got everything in this week. But the fruit of the Spirit is what we're going to uh, we're talking about. In, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I'm just going to remind you of that list. And one thing else I want to remind us about, too, is as we talk about the fruit, we often say it incorrectly. We say fruits, plural, plural. and it's not a plural. It is one action that the Holy Spirit does. He creates fruit in our heart, in our soul, in our being. There's nine characteristics that Paul uses to describe those, that fruit, that work that God does in our heart. We are, I think, on number, uh, we're on number six. It's called part seven because I had to take two weeks on the one sermon because sometimes I get a little long-winded. But the, uh, just once in a while. But the, uh, but, but the law, it, what it says, as we read this, I'm just stepping back a little bit. Um, it, it just listen to this part. This is Galatians 5, it, 19, I'm going to start. It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, this is Apostle Paul speaking, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, he says, but is a big word in the Bible. Because usually it comes behind, this you can't do. This is not going to be good for you. And it's not just the fact that you don't get to go to heaven. It's just not good for you to live like this. God's plan in this book is a good way to live life. He's not just rules and regulations. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts like we often talk about. It's healthy for us. It's what manifests the power of the Holy Spirit when we're in here and you feel overcome and the tears begin to flow. The Holy Spirit can't work in that idolatry stuff. He works in, in, when he's inside your heart. He will flush this out. Don't let me just say, 
those things, those, those things I just read, if you're dealing with some of them, I'm not saying, what I'm saying is let the Holy Spirit in and he'll wash that stuff out. And it says, but, Paul says, but, this means there's something good coming behind it, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is my favorite part of this passage. It says, against such things, there is no law. There is no law that can regulate. This stuff up here, the darkness, there's laws against that in our land for a lot of that. They probably need some more laws for as, as dark as we can be in this land. But when you get down to the good stuff that Jesus does when you receive him as your Savior and he places his spirit, you become indwelt in the spirit. Oh, I wanted, I'm going to time out. I just found this in my pocket. I, I forgot. We will pray. I want to stop right now because this is quilt is for Tina and her neck surgery upcoming. And uh, uh, when we close, I don't want to forget this because I get to the closing and I forget. So, and I'm the boss, so if I want to take time out, that's what we're going to do. So the, uh, I'm not really the boss, I'm just a preacher. But come up after service, pray, tie a couple knots in here. Because um, uh, Tina has a, a, some, a lot of problems in her neck and shoulder. She's our lady that just took the kids back to the junior church. So pray hard, because she's not only got neck problems, she's in junior church. The, uh, let me just pray for her. Father, I thank you for the fact that I can stop and do whatever you want at any time in this service. And Father, it's not me that wants, I'm not the boss. Father, you're in charge, and your spirit is in charge. So I just lift up Tina to you. Father, I lift her up and pray for her neck and the stuff that's going on. Pray for healing. I know we prayed and laid hands, and, and it felt better for a while, and it's back. And Father, we, sometimes we just got to keep praying and keep anointing and keep believing and keep standing in faith, and that's what we're doing this morning. Touch her neck and heal her, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, against such, there is no law. There's nothing that can regulate how much we love. There's nothing that can regulate how good we are to people. There's not going to be a, a goodness police after I get done preaching this message. That, no, you're over the top with your goodness. We're going to have to reel you back in because you're being too good for God. Now, if there kind of is laws against that, it's called communism. But uh, it, that, that's the truth. But, but people that are living in those communist states are doing a lot of good in a lot of places. I often say China is our, probably one of our largest churches in Free Methodist. If they stepped out of the basement of the house church, our church would double in size overnight. So as I, as I speak about these things, as we talk about these things, understand, they're, they're, you can't regulate what God is doing. There's no law, there's no way to turn it down or turn, to, 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 to slow it down. I guess we can turn it down ourselves, but if you're truly in God and your spirit is filled with his spirit, the world can't turn you down. They can't back you up. They can't shut you up. I say this and I'm going to get to my message. When I got saved, about a year and a half in, I started feeling the call to preach, to be a pastor, to do something. And I was told by some people I love, just calm down. It's just your first love. You're on fire for God. And, and I say this often in here, you've heard me say, if you just wait a while, calm down, it'll smooth out, and you'll regulate, and you'll, you'll be fine. 
Don't say that to anybody, please. And they meant well by it, cause, but because the worst thing that happens to us is that we calm down and we start to lose our fire and our passion for God and the passion for his people. You may have noticed mine hasn't waned a whole lot. You will know as we get going and the Holy Spirit takes over, it might get worse as I get older because I just love seeing what God is doing, working in people, working in communities. We should strive to get back to our first love and have that, maybe, maybe we weren't youthful when we received Christ as our Savior, but it brings on a youthful exuberance. It brings on, when God and His Spirit is moving in you, that it, 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 I don't even know, it's just an adventure. It, it is extremely exciting. It, it, don't let, there's no law, don't let anybody try to, to talk you down from the ledge. Jump. If Jesus tells you to jump, jump wholeheartedly into what He is doing for you and wanting to do in you. How old are you? 65? Here's a biker for 40 years that God touched. Nearly killed him to get his attention in a motorcycle crash. God touched him eight years ago, sobered him up. He's becoming a pastor. In, as old as he is, There's no limitations. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, you're too old to do that. You're never too old to do what God is calling you to do. You say, wait, back when it was perfect in the garden, this is a better sermon than I had wrote. Back in the garden, when things were perfect, we were living to seven, eight, nine hundred years. Think about the amount of ministry you could do. Now it's corrupted. Maybe, if, maybe just maybe, if we keep doing ministry, we can get to... I don't want to be 700, I don't know, unless I'm in better shape than now, but the, uh, if it's good, I'll stay. At the rate I'm going, somebody's going to have to carry me pretty soon, but I told you. I met Frank's brother in the parking lot last night and invited Roger to come, and Frank's been working on it, and I said, you just got to come, because I said, I get Frank every time. And I said, I'll say something. And he snorts, and I said, it's worth it. It's, it's worth it just to hear that when I get him. Frank is an evangelist. All right, I'm going to preach now. Let's all stand so I can read and honor God's word. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, 3 through 11. It says these words, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica. He says in verse 3, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and your faith. In all persecutions and trials you are enduring, all this evidence, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, 
for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled, to us as well. This will happen when the Lord is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord, from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to glorify, be glorified in his holy people, to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. This is 11, this last verse is what I want us to key in on. With this in mind, this is Paul and his workers that are with him as, as he's, Paul was basically the bishop of the first century church. And he's helping these, these fledgling churches get heresies and things straightened out and, and they had conflict and stuff. And, and Paul would write and straighten them out and he would visit and, and help them get back on track. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling, that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and in you and him, according to the grace of our God, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your blessings. Lord, I thank you for the power of your goodness living inside of us. Father, today, I just pray that you bless the reading and preaching of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. To fulfill every good purpose. Today, we're talking about goodness. The goodness of God and the goodness that should be manifested in us because of the fruit of the Spirit. Oftentimes, in the first century, as the fledgling church was coming about, the doctrine would be contested. There would be heresies. There would be people bringing other things. There would be discord. There would be jealousy over uh, who's in charge, who's not in charge, who's doing what. It, it was kind of a lot like church today, still, often, unfortunately. Paul would go and take his uh, people that walked with him and helped him, and, and they would write letters, and they would straighten out, they would give instructions. And here, as you read about, as I study in the commentaries, and you, you read about what is going on as he's talking about every desire for goodness. I believe that was in uh, the uh, King James Version. Not King James, New King James. They said, call it good purpose here. And uh, I think I had it down in my, in my New King James, and then I grabbed my NIV Bible this morning when it came out. So the, the translation is just a little bit different, but every good purpose, desiring good things. The goodness of God. When we talk about this, as we talk about the Spirit, I, I wanted to say, I wanted to kind of back up just a little bit 
and, and refresh our memories why we are talking about these things, why it's so important to have the fruit of the Spirit within us and, and to be moving forward in our faith with Christ. When I'm talking about these things and uh, the work that God is doing in our heart, we're talking about, talking about the sanctifying work, the process of, of sanctification of the saints, of, of the Christians. Sanctification is a big church word that we don't use a lot. It's one of the things that Free Methodist doctrine, Wesleyan, Arminian doctrine, it's one of the um, strong points of what we believe. John Wesley, the founder of the uh, Free Methodist movement, uh, and, and the reason we didn't set off because we didn't want to be some other church or anything. John Wesley was in England preaching. The Anglican church was where he was preaching in the 1700s. The church got very corrupt. They were uh, renting pews. There was, uh, they, the poor couldn't get to the gospel because uh, that's why we called free for one thing. Because they would make the, 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 the wealthy, the church ran things back in, in, the, in the 1700s. The wealthy could come in and sit. They wouldn't let the poor in because they couldn't afford the seats. So they kept them out. They were corrupt in government. They were corrupt in all their practices. Wesley just started preaching against this corruption. And I've said it many times in here. He would preach once or twice. And then he would, in his writings, he would say, I think I shall not be preaching here again or something. Which means they kicked him out. They don't want to come back because he's messing up their gig they got going. So he kept moving through the churches, preaching against this thing. Basically, they run him out because they liked the system they had. The church, it, it was very similar to what we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees acting as. Wesley then became one of the uh, uh, first open-air preachers, is what they call him, preaching outside, doing revivals, big tent revivals, basically. Tell me, how many remember those tent revivals? Those are... Uh, we don't do that much anymore, and that's kind of a shame, to be honest with you, because I like those. Um, they do it down, the, down south, but not as much here no more. I don't really know why it faded away, but maybe we'll bring it back someday. But Wesley did this move. He talked about, as he went through, there's a place in his life where he was at the Aldersgate Church. And he was in there, and... Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. I don't think he was speaking. He was listening that day. He was there. And he talks about the fact that he felt strangely warmed. The Spirit come over him and did a work. Oftentimes in our, in our doctrine, we call it the second work of grace. We're saved by grace. God justifies us, forgives us of our sin, allows us to become uh, uh, brothers and sisters, heirs, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And then, and, and, and in truth, a lot of people stop right there. They're good. They got fire insurance, basically. Nobody wants to go to hell that I know of. I've only ever heard of that once. And that was a tragic situation. But, the, but we stop there often. We get saved and we sit and we, like we're good. But when we talk about sanctification, the, 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 the thing with the Holy Spirit coming into us is it's a continual work. It's not something, salvation happens once. You don't have to keep going back and getting saved, getting saved. When you make a mistake, if you're under grace, I'm not giving you a license to sin because there's churches that teach that, oh, you're under grace, go do whatever you want. No, if, if, you're, uh, if you're truly under grace, you'll be in love with Christ and you want to serve and please Him and you won't want to live in sin. 
But we're human beings with a flesh that has desires that are unhealthy and contrary often to the Scripture. So when you are under grace, when you, when you sin, you, you ask for forgiveness. You don't have to get resaved. God washes over you. When he forgives you of sin, he forgives you of past sin, present sin, and sin in the future. Because none of us are going to be perfect and without sin until we stand next to Jesus in heaven. Amen? But the second work of grace comes when we realize just how much God loves us. Sanctification comes. Basically what sanctification is in, in layman's terms, so we can understand, it is surrendering ourselves completely to the will of God. What would you have of me? What would you do? You can come in and change whatever you want. The Holy Spirit, I open the doors to you. you go in any room, take anything, clean me from top to bottom. It comes also with the word consecrate. Consecrate means to dedicate something as holy. To, to, we, we surrender ourselves. We become instruments for God as, as, as a part of the sanctification. Not only does he continue to do this work, the, as I talked about, you can continue, you're under grace. What, grace is a responsive thing. Grace, it's not just once and for all. It's when you, we walk in grace, when you sin, and, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin. You see, sometimes we don't want to go to churches, and this is why a lot of people don't grow. In, like Christians are, are stuck in the mud, or maybe not even Christians, by a lot of things, because they only want to hear the good stuff. I've actually had people tell me that. that uh, I, you know, you're a little too hard-nosed. I'm not trying to be hard-nosed. I'm just telling you the word. And, and, and you know, it, it's not me being mean. It's God's Spirit convicting us. I stand convicted just like everybody else. I know you guys think I'm perfect, but I'm not. You should laugh. I'm like, that was a joke. He knows every hair on my head. So I can't get away with anything. But we, we are under grace. Grace, but when God, when we sin, and, and God points it out by the conviction, the Holy Spirit is here to guide us. Holy Spirit says, you can't do that. That's not right. That's not good for you. It's not just because it's a list of do's and don'ts. He's trying to keep us in line with God. When you read about it here, Matthew says there's a straight and a narrow road, and there's a broad road. A lot of times we think, well, people who are sinners and not knowing Christ, they're on the broad road. And anybody that's in church is on the narrow road. That passage is written to Christians. Because there's a lot of Christians trying to be uh, Christians, but be on the broad road. To really grow, you stay on the narrow road, in the straight path. Because the broad road, you're going to fall off and go in the ditch, it says, sooner or later. So when that grace comes, we respond. This is how this work happens. This is how the fruit of the Spirit comes to fruition. Because when the grace, when, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit tells us something that we need to change or do differently, we respond to that grace. Thankfully, because we know it's not just that we're not getting to do something that's fun. That's one thing I hear from a lot of young people. Well, it's no fun to be a Christian. You have no idea. Give it a whirl. I have a blast. I have a time of my life. And I remember everything I did. And I know where my car is parked. Amen. Because I park in the same spot all the time. I do forget. If I go into like Walmart, I might have to look around a little bit. But I know it's still there. I know it's not in the woods someplace. But, the, but it, it, it is that grows. And when you watch and you get to be a part of the kingdom, because this is another thing. Kingdom of heaven is here. 
We're in heaven right now. We're not in the good side of town. We're on the other side of tracks still. But there's going to come a sound when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back and we meet him in the air we die and we go to, to heaven. Then we get into the good side. They, they open the gates and let us into the gated community. I don't know about you guys, but I don't get to go in the gate. I never did when I was young. I mean, when I was young, they see me pull up driveway, they close the shades, lock the doors, and that was it. Played, they laid down so nobody said, you're home. I know you're in there. No, we're not. Go away. But this grace is doing this work in us. And we're responding and we're growing. And even wherever we're at. So this is what sanctification It's being, it's giving ourselves, selling ourselves all out to God. Whatever you want, God. And you can't go wrong. Sometimes it's scary. It's very scary sometimes. I want you to preach. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Let's, I like to negotiate with God. Obviously, it doesn't go real well, but I like to try once in a while. Romans, Paul says this in Romans 12, and then I'm going to get back to the, to the uh, real sermon. The, the, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me read that to us again, because it bears something. It's one of the most powerful statements you'll hear in the Bible. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That means do his work on earth. It doesn't, it, 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 wherever he's called, it may be big, it may be small. It may, but it, it all, just because I stand here and Sunday morning doesn't make me any more important than the, the, the mulch that's getting laid out there or the reason the bathrooms shine when we get here. I don't clean them things. I don't vacuum carpet. But when you walk in here, God's house is taken care of. I can't teach classes. We have people that teach classes. I'm not gifted at teaching. Michael teaches. That's his part. I'm definitely not gifted at music. If you sit next to me, you know this. It's a beautiful noise, though. That or Judy can't hear very good because she's been there a long time. But, but we're all equally in this thing together. That's why the unity that we've seen yesterday and that we see come together, that's why God's working in here. Because we're unified on the same page. Not worried about what somebody else is doing. Just doing our part. Just doing our part and letting everybody else do theirs. And if they don't do theirs, then somebody else will come along and do it. It's fine. I don't get bent out of shape. If you don't want to do it, if you want to sit... We're glad to have you sit. We got empty pews. Bring more people to sit. It's more fun to preach to a full house. But we're all in this together. We all got something to do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Renew your mind. This is when we're renewing our mind. The Spirit is working, and we're having these gifts come into our being. And we become this goodness. I got to hurry up a little bit. 
Might go too fast. My wife, and I'm not picking on her, really. She's my, she coaches me. Because I ask her to help me, you know. We do have a rule, generally, that we, I got to eat before we can talk about my sermon. Because if it's bad, I don't want to hear it until after I eat. But, yeah, I'm probably in trouble, so I might as well just go ahead now. Yeah, but one thing, I, when I get excited, I go about 900 miles an hour. And she says it's hard for people to keep up. And uh, so just learn to write faster because I'm probably not going to slow down. But I, I just want to make sure you're getting it. When we're talking about the goodness of God, when we're the, uh, um, as I study this up, um, I want to read one more scripture that goes back to, to what we were talking about. Second Corinthians 10 and 5. And it says, and this is part of that sanctification that we, we have to pay attention to. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. To transform our mind, we have to, the battlefield, Joyce Myers used to preach, the battlefield of the mind. That's our biggest battlefield. Every thought that comes in is you've got to take that captive that it doesn't belong to God and take it, bring it into obedience to God. You know, if you're saved and the Spirit is in you, you know right from wrong. You know what God teaches. You know that, it, it, like I said before, and it's not always conviction. A lot of times when I preach, I'm not just trying, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit says. If it convicts you, that's on you and the Holy Spirit. Figure it out. Or come to me and I'll pray with you and we'll walk through it. But that's not me picking on you. That's God speaking to your heart. I also, I definitely do try to challenge us. Because God, and I have been challenged by God, and I know what a blessing it is to respond to that challenge and to do things that he calls me to do. And it's not always easy. But most of what I challenge us because I know that many of us are going to get to heaven and we're only going to have tasted just a very little bit of what God has for us on earth. We're missing out. That's why I challenge you. You know what it's like to lead somebody to Christ? What a blessing that is? How, what that does inside of you? Do you know what it is to, to be privileged to be a part of somebody's life when a tragedy strikes? You think that sounds weird, but funerals are one of the, the best things I get to do because there's no more intimate time in a person's life than when somebody passes away. And you don't just get to go in there and talk because you stand on the outside in a suit jacket. They trust you and they love you and they call you in. That's Jesus. You're representing Jesus. So I do challenge you to go deeper, to dig deeper, to pray harder, to read, to, to move towards this, to offer yourself more fully to God. When we're looking at goodness today, and part of why I backed this up and said these things, the goodness, um, where's Michael? I, gotta, I forgot how to say my Greek word. Agasasuni, I guess. It's close. We'll ask Michael later. Michael teaches Greek, so I usually have him sitting here so I can ask questions while I'm preaching. Agasasuni is close. It won't sound close when Michael says it. But there's two different types of good that we're talking about. The difference, Christelio is the other good. The Christelio is the feeling of being, having goodness towards a person. 
having a kindly affection towards a person. Aga, the other Greek word, I get, sounds real good. I got it on my computer and I press it and it says it and I repeat it and I repeat it and I repeat it and I think Saturday night I practice, I think I got it. I'll be all right tomorrow. I get up here, I get wound up, I can't do it. Agasasumi is the actual act of doing good towards people. It's an activity. It's not just a feeling or an emotion. They're both wonderful things. But what we're talking about here, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about doing good to people, for people, in the name of God. Now, we know a lot of people in life, often, who are good people. And we would think anybody good would go to heaven. You don't get to heaven just by being good. You get to heaven because you confess Christ as your Savior. That's what gets you to heaven. That's a tragedy. Wonderful people will miss the opportunity to go to heaven because nobody shared the gospel with them. And if you, you, you'll see people, this torments me sometimes, there'll be people that you will look at that are probably better people than some of the Christians I know that won't make it in because nobody shared the gospel with them or they didn't accept it. Because it's not about us, it's about him. Michael, how do I say it? good? Agakasumi, I need it in Greek. Yeah, it's the whole word. There's... There it is. Agasumai. I told you I was close. Thank you, sir. Goodness. Goodness. That is the act of doing good. It's only, as you study, it looks good when you study it. I just wish I could say it. He's tried to teach me Greek, but I, I'll get back to it one of these days. I just didn't have time. To, it requires a lot of study. That's a hard language to learn. But I'll tell you what, when you get a hold of a little bit of Greek and you start to understand what it means in the word, it opens it right up to you. Because we say good, Pop-Tarts are good, chocolate is good, pop is good, people are good. That breeze feels good coming in. We have a very muddy language, so to speak. Greek is very exacting. This agasumi is, agasumi is the act of actually doing good, moving. God, it moves on your heart. And, and we need to be proactive about doing good. It's only used four places in the Bible under this. It is, uh, I myself, in Romans 15, am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourself are full of goodness and with knowledge and competent to instruct one another, full of goodness to do your well, to do good for other people. To, this is, is an example of what Jesus, Jesus came to do good for us. We sing the good, good Father. And I'm going to tell a story on Clint. <laughs> Clint was helping me with the... Uh, Mud, or the dirt yesterday. I don't know where you went on the second load. Cause I, hey, Clint, where'd you go on the second load, Clint? Where'd you go on the second load? I had to shovel the second load almost by myself. The, uh, we turned on, I, I asked him, I said, you, you all right? I like to rock and roll. He said, yeah, he's okay. So in my truck, I plugged in and we were listening to my phone. Because uh, I like, I listen to it very loud. That's why I'm deaf. But that and gunshots. But the, and good, good father comes on. And we're talking about knowing that it would preach on the goodness of God living inside of us. That kid knew the words to that song in my truck. I didn't cry in front of you because I would have had to beat you up if you see that. But the, uh, 
I will today, so you're safe. And he sang it louder than I did. And I had some very good discussion. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I probably am, but I'm not trying to. But it was a blessing to have you in that truck and share the things that you shared with me yesterday. You guys just got to get a little better at getting stuff out of people, I guess. It's also used in Ephesians 5.8. It says, for once you were in darkness, now you are, you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Don't mess around and do good for God. Do good things. Actively pursue good in people's lives. Small things sometimes. At the grocery store, I spend a lot of time in the stores. You guys hear my stories about that all the time. But it's, there's a lot of people in there. It's like shooting fish in a barrel when you're a preacher. So, and it's usually on the way to a restaurant. So the, but you, can, you see somebody out in the fire, go over and just unload some, old, some elderly lady's salt into her car, her groceries into her car. Do, do good, not because I'm looking for a pat on the leg, but because I want to open that opportunity to share Christ with them. That opens doors just doing that, because we don't see a lot of that today. Let somebody else get in line in front of you. Open the door, let them have your place in line. Just be a little, we, we talked about Romans 12, uh, uh, operate as living sacrifices. We're not that important. We can take that extra couple minutes to do something because people respond to that. When you're actively doing good things, it opens doors for you to share. Then you've got to, to, to respond and go through that and share with people. I pray with strangers all the time. When I, I'm there, we'll be talking. I, I, just, I used to be a little freaked out by that because I thought everybody think it was nuts when I was younger. Now they know, so I don't care. And I, I just, I, I don't, you know, can I pray for you? And we'll pray in a parking lot or in a store or in a restaurant or, or wherever because you open that door. You'd be surprised. I can think of a story when I was still living promise. I was in line at the Walmart up there. It's always Walmart, because we get a discount, because my wife works there. I love Walmart. Unless I want meat, I go to Myers. But I'm up there, and this, this cashier is just bawling her eyes out. And I was in a hurry, and I thought, God spoke, and I, I, I knew I needed to stand there and talk to her, because I've learned to listen when he does that, because I don't like the guilt and condemnation that I put on myself, or the conviction afterwards. And I just asked her, I said, is there something, can, can I pray? Is there something going on? And it was, they were demolishing her parents' house that day because it was old, they were gone, and she was going through that. And she didn't really want me to pray with her right there, but she asked me to pray for her. And I did that for a while as I walked out. And, and I, I don't say that to brag her, look, I'm just telling you how I do good things. This is how I, I try to to have some examples for you. Just good things to be able to do for one another. Thessalonians, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you. Desire 
to, that he may bring every fruition, bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and every deed prompted by faith. To be and to do good. I'm actually doing pretty good. I've covered most. Now, Agatha, Agatha Sune, Agatha Sune. I put the actual where they spell it out so I can get it. I just remembered that. That's what happens when you don't follow your notes. You holler from Michael. Agatha Sune. This also, as we're doing good, sometimes comes in a more, more stricter fashion. Let me explain that a little bit as we talk about that. It's almost, it's kind of a tough love type of a situation. It's a sterner quality by doing good to others, not necessarily by gentle means. Now the first part that I talked about is, is there is the gentleness to it. There is just a, 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 an ability to, to be there and to do something for someone, open the door for a little old lady, load her groceries, uh, shovel her thing, or think whatever it is, just stop. Um, I, it's just another thing I do. I carry a few gallons of gas in my car, my truck, in a can. So if somebody's out of gas, I can just stop and put gas in their car and help them out. Just opens the door. There's also a, a, a sterner side to this doing good. And we see that in our other addictions meetings. Sometimes we've got to step up because we see people Heading out, you can see a relapse coming weeks ahead of time. If you're sober and you're healthy and you're in, in, in treatment, and you see brothers and sisters getting squirrely, so to speak, and you know that they're going to go out. Because in truth, in addictions, the relapse happens in your mind about five or six weeks before you go out and actually drink your drug. You make that mind up, and that's what happens. And... This comes with part of the, the passion and the stuff that I do things with where people think sometimes I'm a little rough. This, that is life or death. Sometimes you've got to step up and say what needs to be said, even though it might not come across popular. You say it in love, but you say what needs to be said. It works the same here. It's not just alcoholics and drug addicts. There's Christians who get off the path. I counsel young people before they get married. I see things going. I speak directly often to the men. I, and I pick on men when I counsel premarital because in truth, men are generally the, the, the more immature half of the couple. Most men nowadays don't mature until they're in their 30s, 35. It's a different time, different day. I'm not trying to be mean. Um, it's just the way it is. Uh, 50 years ago, 40, how when I would have been 20, 30 years ago, the, uh, it takes a while to do the math. Just, uh, when I, I got, it's going to be rough after next year because then I run out of toes. Um, <laughs> but when I got out of school, you could just go get a job. Most of us, a lot of us could. It's different nowadays. You've got to have all this other stuff. And the jobs aren't like we, you know, they're not, and I'm not trying to be mean, but when we got out, we were working with our hands. That's why they're all calloused and stuff. We weren't typing on a keyboard. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not picking on computer people. I know I probably just got myself some letters. But the, um, 
you know, we could just step out and go out on fire. And, and we matured younger. Women had babies when they get out of high school. They got married and they had babies and got a family. There's nothing wrong with that. It's wonderful. Now we wait much farther down the line. A lot of reasons I don't think we mature as fast. I honestly don't think it's a good idea. I think we have a lot of trouble with the PTSD because we take kids out of school and send them, put them in the army and send them over there and they're not ready to, to deal with the things that they're going to see and experience because they're not as mature as what we were 30 years ago or 40 years ago. And I'm not picking any time, but yeah. my address is on my card. Just write the letter, slide down the door. The, uh, when I have those, I, I tell these guys, cause look, you, you can't screw around. You're responsible for your family. As a man, when you get married and you have children, you're responsible. And I say that directly to them. Wives, yes, you are to respect your husband. You are to submit to him if he's leading you the way he should be leading you. And if he's not, then wives, you should be on your faces praying for your husband to get his mind and his heart right with God. Because that's his job. To lead you and your kids to Jesus Christ and to heaven. And if you want me to talk to him, you bring him in and I will talk to him. Because that's his job. And I say that sternly because we deal with what happens if there's not a father in the house. We deal with it all the time up here at the meetings. Drug addiction. We deal with it, 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 it with right to life because there's people out here getting other people pregnant when they're not ready to be pregnant, when they shouldn't be having sex. We, that's because somebody's not steering the ship. It, when we're talking about doing good, uh, I was into the soft, mushy stuff earlier. Now I'm in where the rubber meets the road. If you're, you, you, you can't just, and I see this, it, it, part of the problem in today, we don't discipline. We have no discipline. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's a winner. Not everybody's a winner. There's a winner and a loser. There's, you got to do the, you, your kids screaming, throwing a fit because you don't buy them some 10-cent sucker in the store. They, God gave them a behind. Use it. And I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. Somebody's not going to like that. But that's too bad. That's probably the only thing that kept me from killing myself going over to the edge. They still had my principal, and I don't suggest this, I'm not, I, but my principal had a paddle. And he, could, he, he had hands, he was a football coach. He had hands that looked like he had little stubs, stumps for fingers. He's a strong man, Jake McMantle. It was not good to get sent to his office, trust me. And he was a friend of our family. My grandfather was the president of our school board, so they all had, yeah, if he needs it, give it to him. And I got it, because I needed it. But I went back and did my aunt's funeral, and in tears, him and his wife, Beth, told me they were so proud of me, what I'd become, because of the way I was raised, they didn't think I had a chance. They, my school officials were sure I'd be in prison or dead. Now, some of them are actually free Methodists that I run into. And they just, and I'm like, yeah, look here. God does that. But, and, and I say that, and that's one of the reasons, that, that's the way I preach. Music people, you can come forward, because I'm just about done. That goodness that comes in a sterner fashion, 
Don't shy away from that. We need to hear that. Yes, you can go find a preacher that'll butter this stuff up for you, make it a little bit easier going down. That's fine. And maybe that works for you. But what I found out that I needed to know when I was coming to Christ, and I think, Terry, I think some of these gentlemen here that are my friends will tell you, we didn't need you to blow a bunch of uh, happy dust up our hind ends or, or preach us a bunch of cotton candy stuff. We needed to know the truth because if somebody didn't tell us the truth, we're going to die in our addictions. Some of us nearly did. And here's this, you say, well, I'm not alcoholic and drug addict. And, uh, Pastor, you talk about that stuff. Guess what? We've all got problems. You don't have to be an alcoholic or a drug addict. If somebody doesn't tell you the truth and you're living and walking in sin without the love of Jesus Christ in your heart and mind, you're going to the same place we are. If we don't get it right, we've all got things we've got to come over. Ours just sticks out a little more and we're a little flamboyant in getting in trouble. We're good at it. But there's a lot of people that are, 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 are very quiet and unassuming, and you wouldn't think they have uh, any problems at all, but their heart is cold, and it's, it's just a stone for the things of God. And you're going to be sitting right there next to we, we talk about hell sometimes, and we don't like to think about hell. Hell is a reality. And here's one thing that I prayed about, and I think one of the, the biggest things you're going to find, one of the, when we talk about the wailing and the gnashing of teeth, and the fire and all of those things that are there, I believe it's all there. Here's going to be the worst thing that I can tell you that I can think of if you are so unlucky and, and to go, is you're going to remember for the rest of eternity that all you had to do was receive Christ and you'd be in paradise with everybody else. That's the torment. That's, I cannot imagine eternity myself or anybody else sitting there thinking, I could have been in heaven. So when you do need to be a little sterner, that's what's boiled down. That's what we're talking about. Heaven or hell. That's why we're doing good for God. It all boils down. Heaven or hell. People ask what a plan what kind of plan? What kind of vision do you got? I got a vision. God's given me a vision. A plan, get people saved. And I get this from Pastor Dave. He simplifies it for me. And I agree with him 100%. Get people saved, get them sanctified, get them to heaven. There's three steps. If we're doing that, everything else comes into play. It, we'll have the meetings, we'll have the small groups, we'll have the things we need. People saved, sanctified, get them to heaven. That's what it takes. We'll sing a song. I'll come back and pray with us. I'm going to pray with us as a congregation and, and then close the service and, and you're welcome to be dismissed if you, if, uh, you feel like leaving. And I'm going to have Tina come forward and, and uh, pray at the altar and if you would like to stay and lay hands on her and we're going to pray for her next. And I want to say that uh, we have a lot of visitors today. This altar is always open. Seven days a week. You come. If you need to be here, 
we're not open, you call me. I'll open the door and pray with you. During the service, if you feel like coming down, I've seen it happen, I've had it happen. You start thinking, people start praying. We don't need to hear a message because God is here. Father, today, I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit working inside of each of us. I thank you for the goodness that you allow us to do. I thank you for the opportunities, Father, the difficult, the easy and the difficult. I thank you for the times when we have to step up and we have to say something that it makes us uncomfortable, but it may save a life. It may save a marriage. It may save a a child from going down the wrong road. It may do a lot of things, not because we set it, but because it's anointed and empowered by the power of your Spirit. We are just vessels. We hear and hope, I hope we respond to what that. Father, I thank you for those tender moments where doing good is a very tender thing. As I said, one of the, the most intimate times is when I'm with a family that has lost somebody and their hearts are broken. It, it, you so blessed me to, to just be there and represent your love and your grace and the fact that your heart breaks just as much as theirs. Father, I thank you for every opportunity that you give us. Give me, give us to do good in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that it is, we have several visitors, Father. I just feel this word being spoken. If there's somebody here that doesn't know this love or this grace, I never close any service, any funeral, anything without giving people an opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you need to pray that prayer, all you have to do in just a moment, I'm going to pray those words. And it's not the words, it's the intent of the heart. If you, can, if you surrender yourself in your life and you truly want to be a child of God, you want to be forgiven, you want to be a part of these things that I've talked about today and, and so much more, you just have to receive His forgiveness and His grace. You have to believe in the words I'm about to pray with you. And if you need to pray this, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. What I will ask you to do is if you, if you give your life to Christ, you tell somebody about it. If you need a Bible to read or whatever, you come see me. I got a bunch of them. I will give you one. But just tell somebody. And if you need that in your life, you just say, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. And I've fallen short of the glory that you have for me. I ask that you would come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. Actually, forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and indwell me with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, and then I will repent, which means when we repent, it means to turn away from our sin and go a different direction. I will repent and I will follow you from this day forward. I believe if you prayed that prayer, you just became a born-again Christian, that you are a part of the family of God. I do implore you to tell somebody about it, to get the Bible, read it, find somebody to help you understand it. Anybody in here will do that. Call. I will help you any possible way I can. Father, for this day, I just pray a blessing over it. I ask that you would walk with us in all that we do and we say, 
give us opportunities to share your grace and your mercy. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And one more thing. I did not say this in my message. It was in my notes, and I was going to use it. It was We were in our Bible study Thursday night. I teach a Bible study up there at the club, and uh, we were having quite a discussion. And uh, this young man, Ryan, I'm, he looks young. I'm sure he's younger than me, so I call him young. Uh, he's born again Christian. He's talking about what Christ has done in his life. I told him when he said this, like my eyes got big. This my, my eyes got big because I'm like, that'll preach when I figure out how I'm going to use it. He said this. He said, when Christ come into my life, and as I surrender myself to Him, Jesus dominates my heart, my mind, my thoughts, my emotions. He dominates me in that way when I allow Him to do that, and it's changing me. I want to be different. I've added a few things in that, to, but the word dominate, just, I hadn't heard anybody say it quite like that. Jesus dominates my heart, my mind, my emotions, my thoughts. Ask yourself that throughout this week. Does Jesus dominate in your life? Because if he doesn't dominate, something else is dominating you are dismissed. Tina, anybody that would love to stay or would like to stay, as many as would, would come forward and we'll pray over Tina. The only thing I ask when we're up here praying over people and we ask for healing is that we believe, everybody up here, believe in the power of God without doubt that he can heal. Just like he says in the Bible, he can heal the blind, he can give ears to the deaf, he can do all of those things. If you believe that, we stand together. Father, I come in Jesus' name. And I pray over Tina today. Father, your spirit is, is present and evident and powerful in this place, Father. As I anoint her father we know that there's no magic power in this oil it, it, it's just symbolic the magic power there is no magic power the power is in the faith that is gathered around this Tina. the power that we are given in faith comes from the, the the resurrection of your son as he come out of the grave that we know he conquered all things we know that he rose from the dead and he walked out victorious and he has the keys to hell, death, and the grave. Because of that, that instant in, in history where he, the, tomb rolled, the stone rolled away that he walked out, he has dominion over everything on this earth. Jesus, you have the power to heal this lady's neck, her body, her back, wherever it hurts from the crown of her head to the tip of her toes. And we stand in faith believing. Father, I believe you can give sight to the blind. I believe, Father, you can open deaf ears. I've seen you heal cancer. I've seen you heal leukemia. I've seen you grow and know and have witnessed to, the, to people's limbs growing and, and, and to become. Father, you are able through the power of the Holy Spirit to do this work in her. And Father, I pray right now for healing. Not a half healing, not a feel better, not a uh, maybe the, 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 the doctors can do something. I pray for the, the great physician to come and to heal her body, to go to and fro, to 
to work out whatever disc or bulging or whatever is in her that needs to be taken out. Father, I pray that you would just fix it and set her free from this pain. Father, she is your servant. She works in this church. She has faith. Father, she wants to serve you. And I pray that you right now would give her a testimony about a healing that like none other has seen. And I believe in that, Father. Father, I just pray for her and her family. Father, I, I, as I speak, I have a word that you're giving me in my head. Father, I pray that you would heal her so that this could be a witness in her household to her husband, to her son, to her daughter. Father, that you would, by the power of this healing, by the power of her witness, that you would, you would spark their interest and that they would want to see this Jesus and how this happened. Father, I believe it. I pray for it. Lord, uh, I'm just praying for a complete healing and I'm believing for it. Father, I pray it and ask it with all confidence in Jesus' name.